What a wild first weekend of the NCAA tournament. There was one game in particular that reminded me so much of UC and Nevada four years ago. Plus, the Big 12 had a really successful first weekend in the Big Dance. What does it mean for the Bearcats as they prepare for a move to the conference? It's all coming up on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Bearcats is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way. You play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. Alex Frank here, welcoming you to Locked On Bearcats. It's a new week. It's the first day of spring. Wait, is it the first day of spring? See, I, I, I always get confused. Is the 21st the first day of spring or the 22nd? I'm going by the 21st because that's just how I that's just how I was taught. And I have some old school traditional base genes in me, so I'm going to go with that. So happy spring to each and every one of you. Uh, and, and I sincerely mean that. Happy first day of spring. Hope springs eternal. Spring training's underway in Major League Baseball. Uh, the NCAA tournament, more importantly, or perhaps you probably care about that more than spring training, unless you, of course, are a host of a Lockdown MLB team um, as part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Which, I mean, those guys have to, those guys I'm sure are thrilled. I know Jeff Carr from Lockdown Reds is thrilled, so they're thrilled spring training has started. But I'm sure all of us are thrilled that the NCAA tournament, the first weekend's in the books. I recorded this, though, on Sunday afternoon at about 4.15. So there was only one game in the books at the time. That was Houston beating Illinois 64 to 53, which, or 68 53, excuse me. Um, So I'm going to touch on that um, in segment three. Uh, well, maybe most likely segment three, but a little bit throughout the show, because that, of course, you know, Houston being in the American Athletic Conference with Cincinnati, another really successful year for the Cougars, third straight trip to the Sweet 16 and as many tournament appearances. Um, what a great wild first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Sincerely, um, St. Peter's beating, uh, upsetting Kentucky, and then winning again against Murray State, never trailing in that game against Murray State in the second round. They're off to the Sweet 16. They'll play Thursday night in Philadelphia, which I I would imagine St. Peter's enrollment and what makes this, what, what made that upset so thrilling was St. Peter's has a total of 3,000 enrolled students. 3,000. Their gymnasium that they play in, not their arena. And I don't mean this in any harsh way. Actually, it is an arena. It is an arena, but it looks like it looks like a gymnasium. Their arena holds 3,200 fans capacity. And they beat the all-time winningest program in college basketball history in Kentucky. And there have been a lot of 15-2 upsets that we've seen since 2012. And I'm going to be brutally honest. We love upsets. It's what makes the NCAA tournament so much fun. The Cinderella, the Darlings. 
But 15-2 upsets have happened so frequently, I feel like now, that when they do happen, it's like, eh, all right, cool. You know, surprised that Kentucky or last year Ohio State's out, but I'm not surprised. Like, I remember, like, like 2012, remember 2012, on the Friday of the tournament, the, fir- the, the, the Friday of the first round of the tournament, Norfolk State beats Missouri. No one expected that. And if you did, congratulations to you and your bracket that year. So Norfolk State beat Missouri. And as if that wasn't enough, on the same day, just hours later, Lehigh beat Duke. So you had two 15-2 upsets in the same day. And at that time, I had never seen a 15-2 upset. That was the biggest upset I've ever seen. I remember Northern Iowa beating Kansas. That was a big upset. I remember Ohio beating Georgetown. That was a 14-3 upset. Two 15 seeds beat a 2 seed. And then it happened again the next year in Florida Gulf Coast beating Georgetown. And while it was great to see a, a school like Florida Gulf Coast make the Sweet 16, it kind of was becoming commonplace. It wasn't, it wasn't as fun to see. So St. Peter's beating Kentucky. It was shocking at first because they beat Kentucky, who never loses these kinds of games. Now, yes, they did lose to Evansville a few years ago, but that was a regular season home game in November. No one was going to remember that. They remember what happens in the tournament. So they're going to remember St. Peter's beating Kentucky. The St. Peter's Peacocks. I didn't know that school existed. I'm going to be brutally honest. Until Selection Sunday. Actually, and here's the funny thing. I actually did know they existed before Selection Sunday. I, I knew it's Saturday night. And so, while I'm watching this election show with my mom and cousin on, well, obviously Selection Sunday. So we're watching it at our, um, we're watching this election show. And my cousin asked me, who, who hasn't been called yet? St. Peter's was the last team to be called because they went they went down the East region, which was the last region they unveiled. And Kentucky was the two seed, which is always at the bottom of the bracket, the bottom matchup of the bracket. So Kentucky was first called. Then I'm like, who, and I'm trying to figure out who hasn't been called yet. St. Peter's. St. Peter's was the last name that's been called. Caroline Fenton, who's been on this show. Um... Host of Lockdown LSU. She's been on my show, Lockdown Bearcats. She's also the co-host of Stillman and Company on 1025 The Game, ESPN Nashville affiliate. Her co-host, Jared Stillman, tweeted, who the hell is St. Peter's? He tweeted that on Selection Sunday. Then he retweeted his own tweet after St. Peter's upset Kentucky, and he said, never mind, I figured it out. We all figured it out. Like, we're all looking to see, okay, what's their enrollment? What's their arena's name? How much does their arena hold? What conference are they from? Spoiler alert, they're from the MAAC. Um, you know, who's a famous alum from there? I, I can't name you one alumni from St. Peter's. Uh, where, where the hell even is this school? Jersey City, New Jersey. So now you've got the whole part of northern New Jersey, New York jumping, and the they play in the Sweet 16 in Philadelphia. They're playing in the Sweet 16. Like, understand, they're they're one of 16 teams left playing for an NCAA Division NCAA Division One title. So that was the big that was the biggest story of the NCAA tournament over the weekend. 
And I recorded this before Michigan State played Duke, Izzo versus Coach K. So at the time of this recording, I didn't know if Coach K's um, era as a college or tenure as a college basketball coach was over or is going to be continued. But that was the biggest story of the weekend, St. Peter's. And it's interesting to me because I'm watching that game. I'm at work watching the game. And Kentucky just could not put St. Peter's away. The game was tied at the half. Okay, that, that, that happens. Gonzaga was tied at the half or up two at the half with Georgia State. And they ended up winning by 20. So I'm like, all right, Kentucky will probably pull away. And they're up six with about two minutes to go. And you're like, all right, they're going to put the finishing touches on this one. And the next thing you know, they're down one. And then even after Kentucky made a three following an offensive rebound by the Kentucky, St. Peter's just went down, tied the game. Game went to overtime. And then St. Peter's didn't flinch. Five extra minutes didn't do any didn't do any harm to them. They still found a way to win the game. 60 uh, 85-78. The one of the most shocking upsets in the history of the NCAA tournament. It's because they beat Kentucky. But Kentucky didn't put him away. How many times over the years in the tournament have we seen a major program take on a mid-major program and they just do not assert themselves? How many times have we seen that over the years? And sometimes it comes back to cost teams. Cincinnati couldn't put away Nevada. Now, this is not the game that reminds me of UC and Nevada. That's another game. But there are so many times we see like Missouri in 20, Missouri, when they lost to Norfolk State in 2012, Missouri led for most of that game. I think Norfolk State took their first lead on an and one by a guy named Kyle O'Quinn with like 40 seconds left. So Norfolk State did not lead in that game, I think, and this is what from this is from what I remember. Missouri threw everything Norfolk State could handle. And yet, and yet, Norfolk State just hung around. When you let a, a mid-major team hang around, or a team that's inferior to you hang around, bad things can happen. Bad things happen. When you let an inferior team hang around, bad things can happen. Cincinnati let Nevada hang around four years ago. Look what happened. The Bearcats let, um, I mean, they let Iowa hang around. The Bearcats maybe were the better team than Iowa in 2019. Iowa took advantage. It doesn't matter if you are a mid-major school or a Power 5 program with five first-round draft picks on your squad. At the end of the day, how you win games in March, you play the best. You're the best team in that particular matchup. That is how you win games in March. It's not because you're better on paper. If that was the case, games would be played on paper. Games aren't played based on how we fill out our brackets. Games are played to determine a winner and a loser. Doesn't matter what seed you are. I mean, this is now the second straight year of 15 seeds made the Sweet 16. It's becoming like the NFL playoffs, where a six seed can go really far. Or it's becoming like the NBA playoffs. We've seen eight seeds win first-round series. I mean, this the LA Kings, when they won the Stanley Cup in 2012... 2012? Yeah, in 2012, were the eighth seed in their conference. They won the Stanley Cup. The NCAA tournament now is becoming that. The talent, the difference in talent 
between major programs and mid-major programs in the NCAA tournament is minimum. Actually, it's none. The difference is which team plays the best and which team does the little things that you have to do to win games in the month of March. There is more pressure on major programs because everyone knows about them. Everyone's been watching them the entire season. You only know of St. Peter's from the moment they win their conference tournament and probably the moment, and more likely, the moment they get their name called on Selection Sunday. That is when you know their name. You don't know them. I mean, you're not, the average college basketball fan is not going to watch an MAAC game. So that was, the, that was what stood out to me. It does not matter what seed you are. In March, every team has a chance. From the moment that the first conference tournament game tips off, every team has a chance, point blank, and the period. Every team has a chance. Every team eligible for postseason play has a chance to win their conference tournament and then win an NCAA tournament game. Coppin State almost made the NCAA tournament with 10 wins. Coppin State. They lost to Norfolk State, who has pulled an upset in the NCAA tournament. Excuse me, before. Um, so that was the, that was the major storyline for me that stood out. St. Peter's beating Kentucky. It's not just it's not just the upset itself. It's because these are becoming commonplace. Seats absolutely do not matter. They do not matter. The only way in which they matter is if you're a higher seed, you're going to get preference on where you want to play your games. Gonzaga's a number Gonzaga's number one seed. They had to go to Portland. Um, they just went to Portland. Arizona went to um, San Diego. You play closer to home when you're a number one team. Wisconsin played in Milwaukee, 90 minutes from their school. All right, went a little long there. Um, when we come back, there's one game, like I mentioned in particular, it's not St. Peter's, Kentucky. They reminded me of UC in Nevada. And one thing that I wish would have happened in that game four years ago that maybe would have changed the outcome. I'll touch on that next here on Lockdown Bearcats. But first... I need to tell you about Stat Hero because, man, I love and I hate those buzzer beaters. Oh, the drama, but oh, the pain when you are on the other side of it. I've experienced both sides of it. That's what happened in the 2016 National Championship game and the 2017 Elite Eight. I needed uh, North Carolina to guard the inbound man against Villanova, and I need North Carolina to answer Malik Monk and his um, – barrage of threes he made in the final two minutes in 2017. One thing didn't happen, one thing did. Stat Heroes NCAA single-game pickups pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head-to-head. They, uh, Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. So you can pick any lineup from a sweet 16 game this week. Maybe you like St. Peter's. Maybe you like um, Brady Manic on North Carolina. Uh, maybe you want to take someone like Gonzaga or JT, JD Note of Arkansas. Uh, here's the game you're going with. You can say you're taking a lineup and why you chose it. Stat, uh, sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash lockdown. Use promo code lockdown for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash lockdown. Use promo code lockdown for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash lockdown, promo code lockdown, terms and conditions do apply. 
All right, so um, I've told you about Stat Hero. So how are you going to uh, choose your lineups? You got to have some fuel to your brain to think about these things. So that's why you need to start eating Bill Bars if you don't already. Because I can't believe I'm still mentioning this. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on, given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. Not this year. Clearly, you should know that by now. I'm sticking to my resolution by eating right, thanks to Bill Bar. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. Does that make you want to eat healthy? It should. They're low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these because they're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories, but most Bilt Bars only contain 130 calories. Mint, brownie, coconut, coconut, almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious and will be good for you. They are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you on this Monday, March 21st, 2022, the Monday after the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. The Sweet 16 is set. The West and the East regions will play tonight. The or I'm sorry, Thursday night. Excuse me. The Midwest and South regions will get underway on Friday. Sweet 16 action. These are these are the kinds of games that start getting really intense, really, really uh I mean, the last, I remember 2000, um, I mean, there have been so many great Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games over the years. Purdue, Tennessee, Purdue, Virginia, um, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Kentucky, 2015. So many great Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games over the years. Arizona, Illinois, West Virginia, Louisville from 05, Michigan State, Kentucky, when you had three of the four Elite Eight games. I mean, there was a series that the Athletic did in 2020 when the NCAA tournament was canceled. And it was a bunch of reporters, local and national reporters, the best game they ever saw. There were so many Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games in there. And most of them have happened recently. And it was so cool. I could like place myself in their seat on press row, their vantage point, their viewpoints of those games. And I've and I've seen a lot of them. And I think you're I think we're gonna see a lot more. I remember 2019, the Elite Eight had all close games. Two went to overtime, one was a one-point game, and Texas Tech on Zyga was also compelling because it was Texas Tech's first ever trip to the final four. Purdue, Virginia might be the, the greatest Elite Eight game in history. Auburn beat Kentucky in overtime. And Michigan State took down Zion Williamson, led Duke. Anyway, so North Carolina and Baylor played on Saturday. And North Carolina was up 25. And I'm at at, uh, another um, part-time job that I have. Um, I, I, I work for ESPN Plus here at Mercer. And I had just... I was the lead producer of a men's lacrosse game. And I remember I'm walking out and I'm, and I'm asking myself, do I turn this game on North Carolina Baylor? And I'm like, yes, you should. It's March. Next thing I know, Baylor's coming back and I'm texting people. I'm like, I'm texting family and friends. I'm like, this game's not over yet. And sure enough, I get back to my apartment. Baylor ties the game. 
And I keep saying myself, Baylor's going to win this game. But I also noticed, too, I also noticed North Carolina's body language as the as the fourth quarter was winding down was winding down was horrible. Like they had just seen a ghost. And after and after North Carolina missed the last shot of regulation, Scott Drew, the head coach of Baylor, he was pumping his fist like, like they just won, like they had just won the game. Like he like I mean they it, it was like they just won the game. But there was still an overtime to be played, and North Carolina eventually prevailed. And I'm watching that game, and of course I'm having UC Nevada flashbacks. Heck, my uncle texted me during the game. He goes, do you know of any teams that have blown 20-point leads in the NCAA tournament? Of course I knew the reason why. He asked it, and I'm like, ha, 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 very funny. Of course I did. And BYU also came back from down 25 or 27 against Iona 10 years ago. So anyway, I'm watching that game. And it, it's reminding me so much of UC Nevada. You're never out of any tournament game, and you're never full, and you're never comfortable in a game, or at least you shouldn't be. So as the lead is dwindling away, I'm watching North Carolina just completely become dysfunctional on offense. I'm watching North Carolina's body language in the huddles, like they just seen it goes, like what the hell is happening? And I'm remembering that's how I felt, how the people around me felt at UC in Nevada. I re- I'm remembering the players, and I'm remembering Mick Cronin starting to you know press a little bit and get frustrated. When you let a team back into the game, when you're up 20-plus points, the shell shot comes in probably when you get down to about 10. And that's what was happening to North Carolina. But the game going to overtime, I think, was the best thing that could have happened for them. You know why? Because teams that have to come back from now 25 expend so much energy doing so. That sometimes they have to, and they have, but sometimes they can't mentally get themselves up to play five more minutes. And along with that, the team that gave up the 25 point lead, they have just been given a timeout. They've been given a full timeout, full media break to regroup, collect themselves, score reset 0 0. When the game goes to overtime, the score resets 0 0. Guys, whoever has the most points after five minutes wins the game. North Carolina took advantage of that, and they were terrific in overtime, both defensively and offensively. And I just wish if you if Cincinnati could have gotten that game to overtime against Nevada. Remember, remember, Cincinnati gave up an offensive rebound before the go-ahead bucket, and I forget who got it. I think it was Josh Hall of Nevada. They gave up an offensive rebound before the game-winning shot from the Wolfpack. If Cincinnati could have gotten that rebound, they would have at, at least it would have been timeout, could have set up your offense. At least it would have been, okay, we're at least going overtime, so long as they don't turn the ball over, which that team didn't really do that all season. We are at least going overtime, but we have an opportunity to win the game. If, if Cincinnati would have just gotten that game to overtime, I truly wonder what would have happened. You look at 2019, there was another game. Um, Iowa, Tennessee. I don't know how many of you got, I don't know how many of you remember this game. I'm at Kroger watching this game. I'm doing my grocery shopping while watching the game because that's just what we do in the month of March. So I'm at I'm at the grocery store. You know, I'm walking up and down the aisles. I got my I got my phone in the, in the shopping cart. I have the uh, <laughs> the game on, and Iowa's coming back from down 25 points. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they might win this game. And I had just seen them beat Cincinnati two days prior, and I had just seen Tennessee barely scrape by Colgate. 
a toothpaste manufacturing company two days ago. And Iowa just come back from now 25 points. But the game went to overtime, and Tennessee regrouped. The amount of energy you have to expend coming back from now 25, it's better if you complete the comeback in regulation than it is if you have to go to overtime. There are some exceptions. Super Bowl 51, yes, that's an exception. But if you don't finish the comeback in regulation, if you have to go to overtime, it's hard to get yourselves ready mentally to play five more minutes. The team that gave up the lead, that is their opportunity. That is their gift to regroup and reset. And that's just what North Carolina did. But like I said, you know, it reminded me so much of UC in Nevada. You are never out of any game, and you're never too far ahead. You're never too far ahead, even when you're down 22. Now, Cincinnati, if you remember, led that game by um, 12 at the half. Was it 12? Yeah, 12 points at the half. And that lead grew to 22. Nevada could have, no pun intended, packed it in. No, they didn't do that. They didn't. I mean, this is proof that you're never out of any game. Until, until the buzzer hits triple zeros, the game's not over. I mean, the game is not over. So that's what, that's what stood out to me as North Carolina and Baylor, as it relates to Cincinnati. If Cincinnati could have just taken that game to overtime, I think they would have won that game. And I might be convincing myself in saying that. I might be saying that as a you know as a, a Bearcats fan alum and the host of a Bearcats Daily podcast. But I truly believe that Cincinnati would have won the game in overtime had they managed to get it there. If they had just managed to play five extra minutes, they could have regrouped, reset, and I think their depth would have worn Nevada down. I really do. Now, they didn't have Jaron Cumberland. North Carolina lost Brady Manick to a controversial flagrant too. As soon as Brady Manick exited the game, Baylor took advantage. As soon as Jaron Cumberland fouled out, Nevada was in full throttle. Nevada was kind of hanging around. You're like, they're not going to really come back in this game, are they? And then Jaron Cumberland fouls out, and that's when Nevada said, it's go time. They knew they could come back, and they did. So, again, I just wonder. Tennessee was able to regroup and reset against Iowa in 2019. And sure enough, um, you, you look at... You look at other games like that. When a big shot happens, UCLA last year against Alabama, Alex Reese hits a ridiculously long-range three. Game goes to overtime. UCLA pummeled Alabama. They scored like 21 points in that overtime period. You're never out of any game, and you're never too far ahead. That is the month of March. And it, be, and it keeps becoming more intense every year with the amount of upsets that happen and the comeback victories that happen. The odds keep getting defied in the month of March. Look at, look at what we've seen over the last, since 2010. 
I always say to myself, 2010 is when the upsets really started happening frequently. You had Cinderella runs throughout the 2000s. Davidson, George Mason, um, North Carolina in 2000 as number eight seed. Gonzaga as a number 10 seed. You had Cinderella runs. But she didn't have like ginormous upsets starting until 2010. That's when you saw Cornell and Northern Iowa make the Sweet 16. VCU go to the Final Four and pull off a bunch of upsets along the way. Norfolk State and Lehigh. Florida Gulf Coast. Or you'd see UAB beat Iowa State and Georgia State beat Baylor. And then Stephen F. Austin beat West Virginia. And Middle Tennessee beat Michigan State. And all these other upsets that have happened. UMBC beat Virginia. Uh, or Roberts beats Ohio State. Mercer beats Duke. You're never out of... Um, I mean, this goes to show that as more and more upsets keep happening, as more and more defying, defying moments happen, where you defy what's possible, this is now the, the NCAA tournament is very intense. You are not given anything. Kentucky found that out the hard way. Kentucky, seemingly invincible from losing in the first round. Kentucky has not won a tournament game now in three years. 2020, it was canceled. 2021, last year, they didn't make it. And this year, they lost in the first round. And who knows what's going to happen next year? So that's what that. So North Carolina and Baylor showed us that. This is the NCAA tournament. And, and, and keep this in mind, too. Baylor was the defending champions. They were not going to go down without a fight. They weren't going to lose by 25 points. It didn't seem right when it was 25 points, even though it did. And sure enough, Baylor showed why. Up next, the Big 12. Remarkable success in the NCAA tournament uh, over the weekend. What it means for Cincinnati? I'll touch on all of that next here on Lockdown Bearcats. But first, I need to tell you about betonline.net because it's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today. Excuse me. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you on this on this Monday, March 21st of 2022, the first day of spring. And speaking of which, um, I think it was yesterday or today is the 12th year anniversary of Ali Farouk Manesh and the three that Northern Iowa beat Kansas on. I mean, that was... That was, to me, the first big upset I, I saw was Northern Iowa beating Kansas in the second round. I mean, this was Northern Iowa going to the Sweet 16, and then Cornell beats Wisconsin. And I feel like every tournament since then has just been wacko. Look at 2014. A seven seed and an eight seed played in the national championship. I mean, that just does not happen every year. 
The national championship matchups since then have featured a seed no lower than three. Well, Butler was an eight seed. They went to the national championship in 2011, another wacko year where you had no number one seed in your final four. But again, it, it just speaks to... Um, it just speaks. I mean, I remember in 2011, the Sweet 16. I think this is right. The Sweet 16 in the Southwest. Was it the Southwest or it might have been the South? The South region was Kansas, Richmond, VCU, and Florida State. I just named you two teams from the A10. I just named you two mid-major programs that were in the Sweet 16. And ultimately, VCU beat Kansas in the Elite Eight. There you go. Anyway, the Big 12. Kansas, at the time of this recording, is in the Sweet 16. Texas Tech won their first round game. TCU won their first round game. Iowa State won their first round game. Um, Baylor, of course, came back from down 25 and almost went back to the Sweet 16 for the second straight year. So you're looking at all these programs in the Big 12. Kansas, Texas Tech, TCU. Texas won their first-round game. I didn't expect that. Iowa State won their first-round game. Heck, Iowa State was picked to finish last in the Big 12. And now they're, I mean, at the time of this recording, they were playing in the round of 32. It's remarkable what teams and programs can do when just given the opportunity to play in the month of March. So I mentioned that Iowa State um, was picked to finish last. I mean, let that speak itself into existence. Iowa State was, you know, not a very good team throughout much of the season. And yet they were given, their name was called on Selection Sunday. They played in the NCAA tournament and they won a game. The Big 12 had over half its programs make the tournament and all six programs won their first round game. So that means... Six out of 32 teams playing in the second round over the weekend won their first round game. We're from the Big 12. Six out of 32. That's almost 20. That, that's almost um, 25% of the teams. Three sixteenths of the teams were Big 12 teams. That's the conference Cincinnati's going to. And as Keith Jenkins, a good friend of mine, uh, the Bearcats beat reporter for the Cincinnati Enquirer, he said it on Twitter Saturday morning. Saturday morning when when, when um, um, he said it on Twitter. The Big 12 is 6-0 so far in this year's NCAA tournament. For fun, let's call it 7-0 since soon-to-be Big 12 member Houston also won. Cincinnati better figure it out quickly. The Bearcats are headed to the best basketball conference in the country, and it's not even close. There you go. Um, and then he said after the Houston-Illinois game yesterday, Houston is so good. Kelvin Sampson has built something special down there. Sampson said in Fort Worth that he doesn't have any great players, but he has a bunch of really good players. I don't know if the Cougars have the NBA guy on their team, but they've got hoopers and a culture. Two big words there. Right now, I don't know if the Bearcats have those, and you need to have those. Kansas has a culture. They're going to bring in five-star players. They're going to bring in the best players in the country, and they're going to churn out draft picks. Texas is going to be big in the interior, and they're going to knock down threes. Baylor's going to 
you know, be so well balanced and so well versed and can do anything they want to on the floor. They're a very good defensive team too. TCU was going to is going to be really good defensively. Iowa State is going to, you know, make it difficult to beat because they always fight hard. Texas Tech is the best defense maybe in the country. So you watch you watch these teams play. And you're like, is Cincinnati going to be good in that conference? Like, Houston, okay, they're going to the Sweet 16 for the third straight year. I'm, I'm going to transition this into a little bit of Houston. I said the second was going to be out the Big 12, but I want to talk about Houston because they are, of course, coming with Cincinnati to the Big 12. So the Cougars are in the Sweet 16 for the third straight tournament. That's pretty damn impressive. Third straight, third straight Sweet 16 and as many appearances in the NCAA tournament. You can say what you want about Kelvin Sampson. Tell you what, as Keith Jenkins said, he's both not only a program, they got a culture in place. Toughness. Physical. They copied the Bearcats' motto and formula. And not only that, they're doing better than Cincinnati in the postseason. So the Bearcats maybe need to now copy them back. They need to go out and get versatile guards. Big men that can do more than just put balls up off the glass and into the basket two feet away. Bunny shots. You need big men that can take 15-foot jumpers, space the floor, stretch the defense out. You can't make defenses, you can't make your offense so predictable against defenses. The American Athletic Conference does have good defenses. The Big 12 does too. You will see that. Houston is gonna Houston's ready for the Big 12. I mean, they are ready for the Big 12. There, there's gonna be some fun matchups between Houston and Baylor, who played in the Final Four last year, Houston and TCU. That's gonna be fun to see. Um, Texas Tech's going to be fun to see. I mean, that, I mean, that could be the first of 45 wins that game. So you're watching these games. And you're watching Houston and how they get after it every single time. And you have to deal with it next year in the American, and you're going to have to deal with it in the Big 12. Houston's ready for the Big 12. Cincinnati's not. Unfortunate timing that their program goes into irrelevancy. Three years ago, you wouldn't have said that. Remember how I said where Cincinnati would be if, if they had won that game against Nevada? Well, for one, I said McCrona would probably still be here as the head coach. I, I, I mean, I, if he was the head coach, and I don't mean this in any disrespect to Wes Miller, I think he's going to do a phenomenal – I think he's going to do a really good job. I believe he's going to get this program back. I think this program is going to be back. I, I think administration is not going to let this happen too much longer. They've gone three straight years without making the tournament. That does not happen in Cincinnati basketball. They already went through one rebuild. They don't want to go through another. So I'm watching, you know, um, Mick Cronin, if he was still here. If if he was still here, I'd feel really good about the Bearcats going to the Big 12. Right now, I don't. Because Wes Miller's team doesn't have an identity. You just go out there and play basketball. Fine. But if you do that with an identity... Then okay, I can then I can you know give them credit for doing that. Can't just go out there and aimlessly try to win a basketball game with no game plan. Like I said, the Bengals did that the first two years under Zach Taylor. 2021, they were clear and defined game plans. We're coming at you running the football. We're gonna take shots on you. Stop us. And most teams could not. The Bearcats used to be, we're gonna come after you, try and compete with us. Most teams could not. Now the Bearcats are the inferior opponent to several teams. They finished 7-11 and 11 in conference play. Houston finished 14-4. and four. 
or something like that. Or I, I believe it, it might have been 15 and 3. Anyway, you get the point. Houston's prepared to go to the Big 12. I mean, I talk about the Bearcats being a model of consistency. Look at what Houston's doing. And you think about the players they've lost over the years. Galen Robinson Jr., Corey Davis Jr., Chris Harris, um, Dejan Giroux, Nate Hinton. Houston is in the Sweet 16 this year without Marcus Sasser, who was an integral role on their Final Four team last year. And yet, Houston's like, they are now who Cincinnati was, just a little better in the postseason. They may not be that far behind Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga's made seven straight Sweet 16s. Houston's made three. And they were a buzzer beater away from making it four this year. Buzzer beater from Jordan Poole of Michigan in 2018. That's where we're at right now. That is where we are at right now. Houston's ready. And that's why Cincinnati's next season of college basketball might be the most important in program history. In the long story history, Next year's might be the most important, at least in the modern era of Bearcats men's basketball. All right, uh, that's going to do it for me today here on Lockdown Bearcats. Quick note, Bearcats baseball, really good bounce-back weekend for them. Uh, They lost the first game to St. Joseph's on uh, Friday. They swept the doubleheader on Saturday, and they won 18-9 on Sunday. So 10-10, off to a, a really good start this season. I believe their record now makes them 10 and 10 for 20 games. Yeah. A little slump with the uh, losses to in the first pitch invitational and then the losses to USC Upstate and Wofford, but they bounced back nicely. This is around the time three years ago where they started to get hot. So hopefully they can continue that into conference play and eventually the NCAA tournament. That's going to do it for me here on Lockdown Bearcats. Thank you again for making it, excuse me, your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Lockdown NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, and email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. That's all lowercase. Alex, the number three, frank at gmail.com. Have a great rest of your Monday. Have a great first day of spring. And for Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.